Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit SugarHillChurch.com. Thank you. You can have a seat. Thank you, Hector and Lee and Sam and team. You guys spoil us every week. You know, I, one of the things I love is the outdoors. Get me outside, get me in the woods, get me in the trees. I, I love being outdoors. I, I mean, I just can't get enough of it. A couple of weeks ago, went hunting down in South Georgia with uh, Andy Whaley. And uh, are y'all clapping for me going hunting? Or uh, I went hunting with uh, Andy Whaley and, uh, and, and Morgan Hudgens. Morgan shot at a deer that was no more than four feet from him with a scope and missed. If you break into Morgan's house and he tries to shoot at you, you're safe. So when you see Morgan, I want you to bless his heart and share that thing with him. But we had a great time just being out in, and you know what, one of the things I've enjoyed is watching your trees. Y'all post the most amazing pictures of your Christmas trees in, 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 on Facebook. And when you see Beth Cross, Christmas must have exploded at their house. I, she showed a picture of her tree, and I think there was a life-size manger scene in it. I mean, it was, that's a tree right there. I mean, I've watched some of your trees. It is it's rather amazing. But when I was a kid, uh, not only did I like to climb trees, but there were certain trees I hated. I, I, peach trees. My granddad, who I called Papa, he had a small orchard of peach trees. And when I would go stay with him, he decided one of the best things to teach his young grandson was how to work in an orchard of peach trees. Now, don't get me wrong. I loved it when grandma made the peach cobbler, the kind where butter drips down your chin and it's gooey and you can see it floating on top. And then you make some homemade cranked ice cream with it. You take a little of the warm with a little bit of the cold, you know, and it's good and you're just satisfied inside, and you want to have a second helping. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I didn't get this way eating steamed broccoli. (laughs) I know me some peach cobbler. But I loved that part. What I hated was working those trees. I hated it like a passion, all those bugs flying around me, and you know, I just, I didn't like working the trees. And I, and I remember, working those trees and thinking to myself, I love what I get to enjoy from the tree, but I don't like what it takes to get there. In the second week of Advent teaching, we're in Matthew chapter three in the first 12 verses, and John the Baptist is on the scene in the desert, and he gives us this two-pronged message that he's so Waterford crystal clear on. He says, repent and be fruitful. Repent and be fruitful. Now, today we want to unpack those two because they go hand in hand with what we see in John the Baptist. So let's take a look at the scripture real quick. In Matthew chapter 3, beginning of verse 1, it says, in those days, John the Baptist, by the way, he wasn't called John the Baptist because he was a Baptist, okay? He was called John the Baptist because he baptized a bunch of people, including Jesus, all right? So like today, you could have called me Chuck the Baptist, I'll pay you not to do it, but you could. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now understand when he says the kingdom of heaven is hand, what he's really saying is repent because Jesus is right around the corner. He's here. Don't mess around. He's here. 
The kingdom of heaven is at hand, for this is he who was spoken of of prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, what, we're, what we read here is that Isaiah, hundreds upon hundreds of years before, predicted that John the Baptist would show up and he would deliver this message to repent and be fruitful, all right? Now, John wore a garment of camel's hair, a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. I mean, this dude must have looked like he came off of a movie set, right? I'm with him until the grasshopper part, right? I mean, the, the honey, the, all the other stuff I'm cool with, but I'm not so sure about the grasshoppers. But he, I want you to see the picture. His clothing gives him the picture of humility, and his diet gives him the picture of simplicity. Do you see that? You see, he came in humility and he came in simplicity. Now, let me paint the picture for you so you see how all this works. He was telling the world the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Jesus is right around the corner. So he came with a message of humility and simplicity. He didn't come in a $1,000 suit. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't come with an entourage of people. He, he didn't come with, with, a, with a demand of what he needed or wanted. He came in humility and simplicity to prepare the way for the Messiah. I mean, John had his own disciples. John had people that followed him around. Thousands of people would hang out to listen to John preach too. And when they came to John and said, John, are you the Messiah? He said, no, the, the, the Messiah is yet to come. I'm just here to prepare the way. I'm not worthy to tie his sandals. And so John is here with this message of humility and simplicity, repent and be fruitful. Now, Jesus, when he comes at Christmas, comes not with an entourage and not with a bang. He comes in the little hamlet of Bethlehem where we read in Scripture, nothing good could come from Bethlehem, right? And they, they put Jesus in, in a trough, feeding trough for animals. That, that's humility. And then Jesus came and lived a sinless, perfect life, died on the cross to pay the punishment of our sin, put into a borrowed cold tomb. And on day one, the world thought it was over. Day two, life was dark and nothing good was going to happen. But on day three, he arose from the dead, pushed the rock out of the way, walked out of the tomb and went to heaven to create a home for all those who believe. That, my friend, cost him something. But the simplicity is it's all yours if he just asked for it. Humility and simplicity. John came with a message of humility and simplicity, a message of Jesus that would come in humility and simplicity so that we could meet Jesus in humility and simplicity. Now look at what the rest of the story says. Then Jerusalem in verse 5, and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hands, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. If you're saying, Chuck, I don't really know what that means. You know what he really, well, you know what John's saying? You better walk the talk, buddy. 
Because if your actions don't equal your faith, and if your faith don't equal Jesus, then you're just going to be cut down. It's over. Now you say, well, Chuck, that's just, that's not a warm, fuzzy message for Christmas. No, but I'll tell you what it is. It is the message of the cross. It's the message of the gospel. You see, I really do believe that what John is saying is, I'm preparing the way for the Messiah. Repent. Now, repent means literally make a U-turn. I'm living for me. I think about me. I want everything for me. I'm selfish. I make a U-turn with my life. And now, rather than everything's about me, now everything is the way Christ wants it to be. Now, there's a difference between being sorry and being repentant. Like a few weeks ago, our kids made a bad decision, all right? And you know, as parents, when a kid makes a really bad decision, have you ever come unglued about it? I mean, like just come off the chain unglued about it? Well, we, we had one of those blessed times in our house. Sweet little Pastor Chuck here can come unglued with the best of them. Because, you know, the problem was we knew they were sorry that they got busted, but we hadn't gotten to the heart yet. When I talk to Reuben about his work at, at, at Meadow Creek School, it, it's fun to hear him talk about how he gets to the heart of the matter with those kids. And you know what, what we were doing is we were getting to the heart of the matter. You know what God does when we repent rather than just sorry? See, some of us are sorry because we get caught. There's a difference in being sorry and, and, and repenting. Repenting is I'm not only sorry, but I'm changing my actions because of it. You see, literally, John's saying, stop being sorry and doing the same thing over and over again. Be sorry and let Christ change your life. Be sorry and let God redirect your life. Repent and be fruitful. Now, fruitful is a whole other concept because what John is saying is get your life right, turn around, live for Christ, and then make a difference, leave a difference, leave an imprint on this world. Don't just go through life and do nothing. Leave an imprint on this world. And so when I read that and I see that, it seems to me like that's the rub. The rub is that that's offensive to us. We, we have to look in the mirror and recognize I need God in my life. As a matter of fact, I need Christ to direct my life. I need him so that I could do all things through him who strengthens me. And apart from him, I can do nothing. And to look in the mirror and recognize that is offensive to our pride. It is so offensive that we tend to turn from it and say, but you don't understand, I'm a self-made man. But more foolish words have never been spoken because there's no such thing. It is but by the grace of God, we have what we have. It is but by the mercy of God, we have what we have. When we turn and repent to him, it's not I'm sorry, but it is I'm sorry and I want to turn toward you and I want my life to matter. I want to leave a difference on this planet. I want to make a difference with my life. I want Christ to work through me. I want Christ to work in me. I want Christ to use me for his glory. I don't want to just sit in church at 11 o'clock on Sunday and say, I did my part. It's to be fruitful, to do something when you're alive. Reuben, when I heard about your guys here and the investment they're making these kids, you know what I thought? That's fruitful. That's fruitful work, man. I mean, that's, that's wonderful work. Might we all be about that? So I looked at this and I thought to myself, well, what does that look like? Well, the first step in being fruitful is to prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight. Well, what does that look like? Repent. The first step toward living for, living for the Lord and being fruitful is repent. Lord, I want to live for you. I want to turn around. I want to make a difference. But the second step is to share Christ with other people, to share Jesus. Here's a staggering fact. There's uh, about 580 or 90 people in the room today, okay? 97.5% of y'all will never, ever tell someone else about Jesus and how he loves you. 
97.5% of you. You say, well, Chuck, that can't be true here. I mean, how does that work? I mean, we're, by the end of the day, we will have had more than 200 people join our church this year. By, by the end of Christmas Eve, we'll have over 130 people that have been baptized in our church this year. How does that happen? Well, when you go back and look at all those people that got baptized, we can identify one person that one of y'all shared Christ with and they gave their life to Christ. Everybody else was a pastor, a staff member, or at a church program. Let's say, Chuck, that, that's not good. Oh, it's worse than good. That's disobedient. This is flat wrong. But I want to take that guilt off of you and I want to give you a solution that I think you'll do. See, I've learned I can't preach you into sharing Jesus. I mean, after two and a half years, I'm relatively sure I can't preach you into anything. All right? But, but I can give you a couple solutions. So let me give you three quick solutions for that in sharing the gospel. Oh, by the way, I, I want you to notice, I don't think we do this until we choose to do this one word. Uh, you know, over in, in uh, verse 7, Jesus points out the hypocrisy of the church leaders. Do you see that? He picks Pharisees and Sadducees, which were the big cogs in the synagogue, and he points to those cats. And he, what does he call them? He calls them a den of, of snakes. You snakes. What he's saying is that you, you act the part, but you're not doing anything for the cause of Christ. You, you play the part and you play church, but, but what you do doesn't count for Jack. You, don't, you are playing. And what he says as the text goes on is you can play all you want, but there will come a day when you, when you have to stop playing and that tree's going to get cut off and burn up in a fire. Stop playing. Isn't it interesting? He points out those folks. And he says, why don't, why, don't, why don't you just surrender? But see, we think surrender, again, is this word where I surrender, I quit. What if you surrender this way? Lord, I need you. I, I'm just giving myself to you. You see, it's not what you surrender. It's who you surrender to. You see, most of us are trying to look at something we've got to give up. What if you just surrendered to him and let him deal with all your stuff? Well, Chuck, this is hard. I can't do it. No kidding. I mean, in your own strength, you're never going to quit that, that habit. In, in your own strength, you're, you're not, you, you can't fix your language. And you, I mean, your, your own strength, you, can, you, you, you can't stop cheating on your wife. I mean, in your own strength, you can't, you can't give up pornography. In your own strength, you can't, you can't quit that drug. I mean... You, you can't do, I mean, here's the good news. Let me take all that off of you and say this. In Christ, you can do all things, and apart from him, you can do nothing. So, so surrender. And remember, it's not what you surrender, it's who you surrender to. You know how you remember how you surrender to him? Humility and simplicity. Humility and simplicity. So three quick things. How do you share the gospel with others? Here's, here's a couple of things. Number one, what if we just chose to live graciously? What, what if we actually chose as Christians, as followers of Jesus, what if we were to actually be nice to people? What if we stopped pointing out the differences we have with everybody else and pointing them out what their fault is? Matter of fact, the Bible says, stop pointing out everybody else's sawdust in their eye when you got a telephone pole sticking out of yours. I mean, the short version of this, will you stop telling everybody else they need to clean their potty when you need to clean yours? I mean, what if we were just be gracious with people? What if we were to just be kind with people? What if, we were, what, if, what if when we saw people that we knew disagreed with us, we were still gracious with them? What if, what if we saw people that were different than us and we were still gracious with them? I mean, do, do you really think Jesus would come with protest signs? No, I don't think he would. I think, he, I think he'd come and love on people in need. Secondly, what if we were to live generously? What if we just live with an open hand? 
What if we decided, I'm going to help those kids in Haiti. I'm going to help those dozen families that we still need to try to help. I'm going to buy that guy uh, the meal behind me in the line at Chick-fil-A. I'm going to buy that guy who's sitting there sweating over some spreadsheet at Starbucks, a cup of coffee. What if we decided to live generously? And then finally, what if, what if we chose to just live invitingly? What if, what if we just said, let me take this, since, since if I lined a hundred of, of you up and we know only two out of that is going to share Jesus with anybody in their lifetime, what if I said to the rest of you, take all of that guilt and all that burden off of you, what if you just invited somebody to church? Old Danny Payne invited Steve to church this morning, sat right over there at 930 and at the end of the service came up and he said, hey man, I need, I need to be a Christian. How do I do that? How do I ask Christ into my life? He sat right there with me, gave his life to Christ, going to get baptized next week. Morgan Hudgens sits down there where where Reuben's at right now. And you know, like him lumping or leaving, you know what old Morgan does every time he runs into somebody, invites him to church? He's built half a dozen classes where people come in and they go start another class somewhere. He just keeps on inviting people. You know, I mean, every time I turn around, Reuben's bringing somebody to church. I mean, last hour at 9.30, my friends down at Bodyplex are are back there. You know what? I think we've had 20 more people join our church this year because they said, why don't you go to Sugar Hill Church? It's a great place. Just let me take the burden off of you. Just invite people into the presence of God. I promise you we won't embarrass them. Well, we might, but not on purpose. What, What if you just invited somebody into your community group? Jenny started a new community group this past, this past uh, semester. And she got about 25 ladies in that community group. I, only, only six or eight of them had been a part of one before. And they, they're just hanging out, having a good time. I, mean, I hear the stories, what goes on in there. And I think, my goodness, she needs to be the pastor of this place. What if you just invited people in? What, what if you invited somebody to come tonight to just O Night Divine where they hear the gospel and they hear the beautiful music? What if, what if we just lived invitingly? Well, you know, I, why would we choose to not be fruitful? That's what I don't understand. Why would we ever choose not to be fruitful? I mean, last week we talked about being ready. This week we talked about being fruitful. I mean, I, I think about that and I wonder, you know, Galatians 5.22 says, listen, you, here's all those reasons to be fruitful. Here's what you can be. But see, I think being fruitful is a matter of faith expressing itself out loud in our lives. You know the number one reason why people don't invite other people to church? Because they know that they'll let the other people know that they're leading dual lives. Well, if I invite them to church, they'll know I'm a hypocrite. Here's the secret. They already know that. You've invited them to a whole church full of them. I'm the chief one because we've all fallen short of God's perfection. We're all hypocrites, aren't we? So why wouldn't you just invite them to just be one of us? Just come on. Well, Chuck, I, I, you know, if I do that, then they're going to think, you know, I'm, one, I'm a little holier than thou kind of guy. I think they already know you're not. That's a given, isn't it? So just come on. And you say, well, if they bring them to church, y'all are going to try to make them into holier than thou. Really? I mean, have have y'all gotten to know me? Come on. What if we were just a church full of normal people that happen to love Jesus? Well, how cool would that be, huh? Just a church full of normal people, red, black, orange, purple, green, white. I don't care. Just a bunch of normal people that happen to love Jesus. But you know, the reason we're not fruitful It's kind of like when I'd go out and work in that 
orchard with my granddad. He'd get working in the, and he'd get all the weeds out and he'd get those lines right. And then there came a time when he'd prune back those trees. And I mean, he'd prune back branches that were two, two and a half, three inches in diameter. And every year I'd think, Pop, you're killing that tree. It's never going to grow back. I wrote it down and embolded here in my Bible. I don't want to read to you exactly the way he would say it to me. My granddad was about 6'4 and about 280. And he was a man's man. I'm telling you, he taught me how to fish. He taught me how to hunt. He taught me how to do everything. And he called me boy. And it wasn't just boy. I mean, boy. He had kind of that uh, South Alabama, North Florida drawl to him. And here's what he'd say. I'd say, Pop, you're going to kill that tree. He'd say, boy, you got to prune away the good if you want the best. I'll never forget that. Boy, you got to prune away the good if you want the best. There's some of us here today. Some of us need to plant a seed and say, Jesus, I need you to be my Lord, my Savior. You need to start your garden. In humility and simplicity, plant the seed. Just like Steve did at the end of 930. Some of you, you've you've had an orchard and you hadn't worked it in dozens of years. You've been a Christian forever. I mean, go to church, 11 o'clock, check box, done. Leave here and go live any way I want to between now and the end of next Saturday night, Sunday, I show up, 11 o'clock, check box, done. Some of you need to go work your garden. But you know what I know about a lot of us? We need some pruning. Because if you don't, get rid of the good, you're never going to have God's best. But, but this is what I know. The reason we're not fruitful isn't that we don't understand the story of Christmas. It isn't that we don't understand that he, that he came in humility and simplicity so that we could come to him in humility and simplicity. That, that's not, we, we get all that. I mean, cognitively, we get all that. Here's, here's what I think happened. We forgot how much God loves us. We, we, we just forgot how much God loves us. We forgot in the middle of all of our messed up life, he looked at us and he said, I love you and I'm going to send my son to die for you. I'm going to let my son be buried in an old cold tomb and then I'm going to let him raise from the dead and push that rock away. And I'm going to let him be ascended into glory and sit by the right hand of the Father and create a home for every one of you who will trust me as Savior. We forgot how much he loved us. And when we forget how much God loves us, we forget how much we love him. That's why we're not fruitful. Father, today, in this time and in this hour, I pray that we would be a people that some of us might plant in our orchard. We might say, Jesus, I need you and I love you. God, I pray some of us today would choose that we're, we're going to work our garden. God, I pray some of us today would choose to allow you to prune us back a little bit, that in your power, maybe some of our relationships, some of our addictions, some of our habits, God, you'd cut them back so we could have your best. We get rid of the good, we can have your best. We get rid of just the the average, but we can have your best. 
God, we don't want to be satisfied with anything less than your best. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, nobody looking around. There's three kind of people in this room today. You have people who, who today need to plant in the orchard and say for the first time, Chuck, I'm going to give my life to Christ. I'm going to know that I know that I know that I'm a Christ follower. I'm a Christian. And I've asked Christ to come into my life. And if you don't know how to do that, you can do what Steve did. Just come up here. I'll be right down at the floor. You just talk to me. I won't embarrass you. We'll talk in private. And you can move on. But then there's a big crowd of people here today. You just need to work your garden. I've put four baskets up here at the altar and we've got those 15 or 20 families we've still yet to be able to care for. And I'm going to ask you just while we sing in a minute, if you want to plant and give your life to Christ, just come talk to me. I'm going to ask you if you want to come and, and help these families, just leave what you got, some change or a few bucks or whatever you got in, this, in these baskets. Just say, I'm in. Count me. I'm in. I want to work my garden a little bit. And then there's some of you need to get on this altar and get on your knees and God prune me. I want to get rid of some of the good. I want the best. I want to get rid of some of the bad and I want your all. So to all three people in a minute, Hector's going to sing. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you just first song, first note, just step out. You want to give your life to Christ? Just talk to me. I'll pray with you and then we'll chat after service for a minute. You want to come and work your garden? Just come and give. Today, maybe what you want to do is come and be pruned a little bit. Let God work on you. Just come to this altar, get on your knees and say, Lord, I, I need you to work on me. Clean me up, make me new. So Lord, it's your time. Do what only you can do. For those who need Christ, I pray they'd come on. For those who, who need to, to start working their garden and give, I pray they'd come on. For those who need to be pruned back, I pray they just come on. So as we sing, Lord Jesus, do what only you can do and draw people unto yourself. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.